Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen to the first episode of this podcast, Not the Oscars. Um, the other two people that are on this uh, podcast, first, uh, Erica Geller, a really great friend of mine. Erica, like, say, say something dope. And hello to you, my good friend, Anthony Conway. It is surreal to be introducing ourselves on our very own podcast for the very first time. That's Erica, a really great friend of mine. We've been friends for years out here in Chicago. Um, and other friend that's on this one, uh, Josh Bowen. Hey, Anthony. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're doing here? For sure. Um, so the way that like I kind of... Like, we kind of, like, you know, landed on this. It came back from a conversation that I had with a friend of mine where we were talking about movies and award season. And our whole idea was that we should only be giving out awards for movies 10 years after they come out. Uh, with the idea being that that's enough time for you to reflect on it, to determine, you know, like, did it really speak towards what was happening in society? Did it really, like, you know, like, have, like, that much of an impact culturally? And her argument was that, you know, if we looked at things that way, there's no way that driving Miss Daisy would have won an Oscar over Do the Right Thing, which wasn't even nominated that year. Um, and while that was her argument, I took it more as 100% uh, Vincent D'Onofrio would not have been overlooked for the work that he contributed towards Men in Black as Edgar the Bug. Um, and that's why we're doing this podcast. Uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, different performances from different actors, actresses. Um, at some point, I'm sure we'll get into like, you know, directors, maybe even like screenplays. And we're basically going to give these people their flowers to make sure that, you know, we're talking about these roles that got overlooked, um, the significance that really came to it, how this is different than anything they've ever done before. Um, each person will have the opportunity to present something different each week. Uh, and then the other two people in the podcast will then debate whether or not, like, you know, like how we're going to judge these. And then at the end, we'll then determine whether or not that person that has been nominated for the week uh, will be winning the coveted Vincent D'Onofrio Award, which is like our version of the Oscars. Um, and yeah, that's going to be like this uh, this whole podcast. It's going to be like this fun experiment that we're going to be doing to make sure that these performances don't get overlooked. I think it's going to be a good time. Damn. Yeah! <laughs> How did, I, I just got you know a question. What was the moment when we all decided we were going to talk about Vincent D'Onofrio? Because it was your idea, Erica, to do a podcast originally, right? Yeah. So, well, it was that it started when we were at Wings. Um, so shout out. Oh, that's right. What What's the name of the restaurant we were at? Oh, shit. <laughs> The Good Wings Place. Yeah, you know, the Good Wings Place in Logan. The Good Wings Place in Logan. And Here's the thing. I don't remember. Landbirds, that's it. Landbirds. Land Birds. Sorry. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of it either. I'm surprised that neither of us was able to remember it. Uh, well, shout out to Landbirds. Excellent wings in Chicago. Um, and I was eating. They give you a single glove to eat your chicken wings with, which is also just fucking revolutionary. And you were regaling me with this story about Vincent D'Onofrio and then Josh started doing his sugar water impression and then a few days later we just like kept texting about it because as is want to happen in this group of three we can't let something go ever um and then I just was like we should really make a podcast and then Josh made a google sheet and here we are do you guys remember like a what was your first time like when did you know that Vincent D'Onofrio in this role was like this was the thing. I remembered it. Ah, it's gonna have to be like high school. Like you know, like when like you're in you're in 
you're getting lunch with your friends in high school and it's like you know three or four of you and you start like quoting like dumb shit like yeah. you know stuff that you you remember from like you know elementary school stuff that's completely out of context and like it just snowballs and like you know everybody just like you know saying nothing but everybody's laughing and having a great time mm-hmm. that's when i remember like the movie for the most part is like oh like it stuck with me for no reason because I didn't own it on anything. I never even owned the VHS, but like, you know, it's one of those movies that comes on like TBS, TNT every now and then. And you just watch it just cause like it's on and like you remember it. But like, I can quote more of his lines than anybody else's. I don't think I remember any of the lyrics to even the song. And like, that was the hot thing that came out of the really? movie. Yeah. But like, I know almost all of Edgar's lines in that movie for no reason, except like, well, granted he only has like 12, but like I can give you like but they're all memorable and like you you even remember the tone that he has when he's saying them like everything about (laughs) you can do the face like the face movements the neck the contorting of the body everything you remember every single line that he has like it was almost like an action figure like every line that he has is just like memorable for no reason except for the fact that he said it I think that's the first time like I remembered like oh like that movie had a little bit of longevity that I didn't anticipate And now I'm like, I can watch it and be like, no, like this actually isn't a bad thing. Like it's actually pretty decent. It's creep. It creeps up on you. What is it doing here? What is it doing in Men in Black? Who put that? Yeah, it makes no sense. Oh my god. I think for me, it was it was much later. It was probably post college. Even though this was a movie I watched on repeat. And Anthony, for the record, that music video at the end, "Here Come the Men in Black," the ones you won't remember, is like just beautiful lyricism but um (laughs) after college my roommates and I got really into Law and Order and I think then I was later watching Men in Black just like in syndication probably on TBS and I realized that Vincent D'Onofrio from Law and Order was also Edgar the Bug and that blew my fucking mind I was just like how is this the same person? And also, like, how is this guy just playing this dude on Law & Order and not just the greatest character actor in Hollywood? You know, I actually didn't register that this was, that it was Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, I, I, I'd, the only other movie that I had seen him in before this that I can, like, point out that it was Vincent D'Onofrio was uh, Full Metal Jacket. Mm. He was fucked up in that movie. That mm, he's got, like, a bunch of weight on him. He's, like got the bald head that man is a chameleon yeah yeah i wouldn't peg something like that being in men in black so i never would have put those two together like that's vincent d'onofrio no fucking way hey all if we had sponsors this might be the time where you would hear a delightful message from one of them but seeing as it's our first episode and we don't have any yet instead please enjoy Josh's homage to Vincent D'Onofrio's performance of Edgar the Bug in Men in Black. Edgar, what on earth was that? Sugar. I've never seen sugar do that. Give me sugar. In water. More. More. Mm-hmm. 
Edgar, your skin is hanging off your bones. Oh, yeah. Ah, is that better? And now, back to the show. We all love Vincent D'Onofrio. What, uh, what are we kind of doing with that information in this podcast? Like, how are we, how are we going to manifest that into a podcast? Yeah, so beyond today, you know, which is going to be talking about him a lot, um, the idea is that there are lots of people like Vincent D'Onofrio that have roles that they put their absolute foot in, like, all the way, like, to the knee, and they got no kind of award recognition for it. Or worse, they got nominated, and they should have won, and they didn't. And that, like, you know, that can apply in different decades. It can apply to, like, you know, different categories. It can even apply to, like, you know, best film, best screenplay, all of that. And that's where we're taking it from here is that, you know, we're going to make sure that these people get their flowers because it's not fair that nobody's looking back at the 1996 Oscars. Would that be seven? No, it's 1998 Oscars because, yes. It came out in 97. It came out in 97, and then in 98 is when the Oscars happened. Which, fun fact, the most watched Oscar uh, ceremony of all time was that year, because that's when Titanic came out. Yeah. Uh. So, that movie definitely got snubbed, because it's like, you're really telling me that, like, the year that everybody watched it, nobody got to clap for Vincent D'Onofrio when his name came up for playing Edgar the Bug in Men in Black? Real messed up. But... We're going to make sure that that doesn't happen for anybody else. We're going to make sure that other people continue to get their flowers and get their opportunity to have three people, you know, talk and discuss about why that person should have gotten the award from the safety of our own homes. And that's the whole thing is that each week we're going to come back with a different person and we're going to be like, yo, this performance was worthy of some kind of recognition and it was it was so dope and we can even go as far as being like you know this person that got nominated that year they were decent but like we could slide this person in and it becomes so much better but we're gonna look at a lot of different reasons as to why that person should have been nominated or should have won you know we're gonna figure out what the rules are as to like you know who would win you know this fictional like you know if we could go back in time and give you an academy award what that would look like and like you know what the benchmarks have to be we're going to chop that up today to figure out what that looks like. That way, like, you know, we have a kind of like, you know, rule, like scorecard moving forward. And then we're just going to debate it. We're going to figure it out. And it's going to be sick because Vincent D'Onofrio deserved to win an Academy Award and he didn't. So in his name and in his recognition of the work and the the, the, the great thing that he kind of gave to cinema back in 97, we're going to give out not the Oscars. We're going to give out the D'Onofrio. And... That's the idea of this podcast, is that it's not the Oscars, it's D'Onofrio. And everybody gets their oh, D'Onofrio God. award if they're worthy of it. So I get to tell my, all my friends, it's not the Oscars, it's D'Onofrio. We're going to put it on everybody t-shirts, and it's going to do so well until we get sued and get a cease and desist. <laughs> From who? DiGiorno's or Vincent D'Onofrio? Honestly, Both. They're going to tag team. Oh my god, if that would be, uh, that's how we would know that if we've made it, if we got a cease and desist from either of those people, I would fly that banner high. So yeah, that's the podcast. I I would just like to call out that um, Vincent D'Onofrio did win a Golden Scroll, aka a Saturn Award for his uh, performance in this film, which is a sci-fi and horror film um, awards show. So he he did win that back in 98, but um, 
No, he deserves like an award that uh like the prize for the award is you get your own planet. We should call it the Orion's belt and it can be like a WWE belt. <laughs> I'd be really into that. Wait, like whoever's in the lead wait, for the person getting it for like us, oh. like whoever's in the lead getting it has the Orion's belt. <laughs> I mean like that's actually a really dope idea is that whoever is like doing the best in terms of the people that they're presenting we get to hold orion's belt and like we get to like be the champion like going into the following yo i think we're onto something and it really should just be a cat collar like it is in the movie (laughs) you have to wear it all the time (laughs) just jingles the whole episode at some point when we're filming this like in person when like you're not outside is legal again that'll be it like you have to wear that cat collar throughout the entire throughout the entire like disposition where you're saying like why this is so dope and why this thing should have won you have to do that while wearing a cat collar i'm down i'll put in i'll put in even share to get the cat collar and the tag amazing fuck it so just to kind of clear uh so just so i understand correctly there's gonna be an award Uh, what are we calling the award again it's the d'onofrio the d'onofrio and we're going to give this to movies that we choose on a like a weekly basis and what uh, how how are we choosing who who's going to like who's doing a movie to find an artist to give the Donofrio award to That's a great question, Josh. We discussed that these movies have to have been out for a little while, so they need to have been able to sink in. Um, yeah. So I think we decided they had to have been released starting 10 years ago. So we can go as far back to 2010, and that can be like the very first, like, you know, that can be like the closest that we get. But okay. I would honestly be into somebody going back like super far. I'm like, yeah, go back to like 1964 and be like, yeah, this person deserved to win. For the black and white movie that they made that was silent. I want that Anthony, argument. Anthony. I, I want. Oh, God. I don't want. <laughs> when do you think 1964 was? In my mind, it was a really, really, really long time ago. And they didn't have color TVs. They didn't have audio tracks. Like, my dad tells me sometimes that, like, he saw Dr. Martin Luther King on TV, and I'm like, like, that timeline doesn't match up. That's not true. (laughs) I'm like, because that was a really, really, really long time ago, and television wasn't invented yet. So either you're old as hell, or you're lying to me. So that's how I feel about this. I guess, to be fair, a lot of the footage I have seen of the March on Washington is black and white. Right? It's like always black and white. The audio is not synced up really well. I'm like, this definitely didn't happen in like the last like, you know, 50, 60 years. You're lying. So just so I'm clear, 1910 is on the table. (laughs) If you could go back. I I, I like the idea of establishing a range. That's great. But I like being given a year and I at least have some semblance of like knowing what I might choose. So if I get here's, fucking 1911, like I'm straight up, here's the thing. Totally blind. If you could find the what footage the of a movie that was made in 1911, get it to all of us so that we could also watch it. And then you could come up with a good enough argument as to why somebody that was featured in that movie should have won an Academy Award. And you can then judge it up against everything else that was nominated in that year. I'm gonna let it ride. Okay. All right. It's on the table. I I'm into it. So uh, in turn, so now that we figured out how we're choosing the movies, how are we? 
going to give the award. I guess we're going to choose... We're going to have to figure out what, like, I guess, like, a, a certain amount of categories uh, or ways we got to quantify whether or not, I guess, the movie deserves the D'Onofrio Award. Yeah, there's got to at least be, like, you know, uh, a preliminary, like, here's why I chose it. And, like, maybe that's, like, the first thing is just, like, I chose this movie for this reason, this reason, this reason to at least make sure that, like, you know, it qualifies. Like, the same way, like, an Oscar would. Like, it has to have been, like, released in, like, the time frame, like, we're talking about you have to, like, you know, have an understanding of, like, the, the time period and as to why, like, you know, you want it to, to be up here. But, yeah, like, it can be, like, lax enough, too, where it's just like, yeah, like, I want this thing to happen. I feel like if you can if you can argue strongly enough for it, then you deserve to, like, you know, go to bat for that thing. Cool. As long as it can be based on just how well I argue, then I'm good. I'm willing to let that ride. If you come to something with the table and you you got documents and you got bullet points and you're ready to like have the conversation, let's do it. It's a fake award. So so we talked about this in advance. Where we we're, it sounds like we're gonna come up with five things, five categories that we're gonna cho- we're gonna figure out right now that are like that make up the pillars of the D'Onofrio Award, right? Yes. Cool. A hundred percent. And then. Once we do that, the other people are going to judge on a numeric scale whether or not the uh, the person bringing in a movie is going to actually get the the award, right? Yeah, so I think that the way that it would work is that, you know, if you're presenting the movie, then uh, Erica and I are the ones that are critiquing, like, you know, based off of the checklist. And on, you know, like that list, like there's like five major points that have to be hit. We judge based off of that on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the least, 10 being the best, if it hits those things. And, yeah, we combine the scores together. That would give us 100. And from there, we can then say, like, okay, like, you know, if it met 70%, then it got the award. And, you know, we're just trying to, like, you know, go higher each week. We want to make sure that, you know, whatever points that you're getting are, like, you know, as high as possible. So, like, you know, that also adds, like, that, that challenge element to it, where it's, like, I'm trying to do better than Josh did. He got a 75 D'Onofrio last week. I'm going for 86. So, I think probably number one is uh, making a case for why this movie has, or this performance has stuck with us over time. So, it's like got as, some longevity. one of the D'Onofrio points? Yeah. Like, why it's stuck around? Yeah. And another okay. one is why, for me at least why this person and this person only or why like uh so like i don't really know that anybody else could have played edgar the bug yeah that's also fair no no one uh, no one else could have played it role even though he wasn't the 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 first person that was up for the role shut up anthony tell me everything but that's like always how it works like benedict cumberbatch wasn't the he was like the 10th pick for Khan in the second Star Trek reboot, and that movie was not memorable, but he did a good job. Which is fair. Like also in um uh, uh the Harry Potter movies, Alan Rickman was not the first choice for Severus Snape. In fact, he wasn't even like cast technically. Like somebody else was offered the role, and they couldn't because of timing constraints. And they were just like, "All right, give it to to Alan Rickman. Like let's just see what happens." And we saw he killed that giant. Yeah, but like it could be a situation where like they cast Dumbledore. Right, and then Richard Harris passes away, and then what's his face took over, and he's a terrible Dumbledore. So like he got the role, <laughs> but he fucking sucks. Michael Gam is my least favorite of like everything yeah, that's his, ever his happened. Name, his, his his name's what's his name? <laughs> <laughs> 
it's just like wow like we had a really good dumbledore and richard harris and then mm, and then they that's were like, so unfortunate yeah, we've seen this guy in a pointy hat before fine straight up they were just fine. like yo like what old brit did we not cast in these movies yet that we can throw in and they were like uh <laughs> you ever heard of michael gambin he's decent and they were like screw it throw him in there and put something weird in his beard so that he doesn't look exactly like richard harris and that's why we got that weird hippie version of of Dumbledore that yells at Harry after his name doesn't come out the Goblet of Fire. Ugh. Like, it's wild. Ugh. Yeah, I'll never he, get he, over he, that. When he, when, when he got the role, he put in his writer that he has to <laughs> yell uh, a certain number of times, even if the script doesn't call for what it. What a fucking uneven performance. <laughs> it was. It was. Oh. I wish they'd have asked, like, so did you read the books? Like, what you got? Oh, and that no. way he could just come back and be like, nah, I didn't read that. I ain't read any of it. I mean, oh, 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 ooh, oh, I, I'm sorry, but maybe that's a maybe that's something that we could do. Like after we figure out what the award is, maybe we can test it out with somebody. Like see if Michael Gammon passes, like by our by our criteria, and does he get the award or not? Dude, I mean, probably not. <laughs> so yeah, should we figure out now then what the 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 five pillars are of a D'Onofrio Award? That way we can determine how this works in the future. Yes, the five pillars of how we determine whether or not a performance is deserving of the D'Onofrio Award or not. So you brought up some good points, Erica. You brought up why it stuck around and why the per- why it could have been nobody else, right? So I think that's the first one then is like the longevity because it all has to be like, you know, 10 years later, did this thing make sense? And it's like, it, yeah, it's still just as relevant now as it was when it came out. So maybe the first one is that it's it. Ha- it's a it's ageless or like it ages is aged really well yes mm-hmm. i like that and i also agree with the second point that it should be something that only this person could have done this yeah no other person could have been cast in it so it's like perfect casting is like the second the second pillar i uh, one thing that one thing that i had on here was a complete physical and vocal commitment to the point where it was definitely Probably not nearly as called for in like the script or the director. It was just like the actor bringing something to the table that nobody expected. I was gonna. I have a, a note that's similar. Mine was gonna be just uh, dis, like disappearing. Like, is the person a chameleon? And they like, did you get lost in like that person's role? Yeah. So it's like on top of like you know the perfect casting, on top of the fact that like you know it's got some staying power. It's like oh, they're also doing the best acting that I've ever seen because I forget that it's them half the time. Although I would say that okay, so obviously I don't know if this movie's gonna hold up, but I adore J Lo's performance in Hustlers, and she's pretty close to J Lo there, but she's also doing something next level. So maybe it's. Hmm. But but it does like what she's physically doing in that role is also I don't think something really anybody else could have fucking done. So then maybe it fits, even though it's her. You know, it's like Harrison Ford is good at just being Harrison Ford, but he Harrison Ford's it the best. Yeah. Okay, I'm sold. So we're at is that is that the third rule or is that the fourth rule? That I think that's three. Okay. Well, I put on here. Uh, able to take the most bullshitty role really so i guess that kind of gets is no i in the role but i think that is that's such an important thing in these movies that i actually don't think we give people enough credit for if you really think about also like say a matthew mcconaughey in some of these rom-coms that he gets cast in right like that's some shitty writing frequently and the fact that he's able to just sell that and 
you should try sometimes i try when i there's a really ridiculous movie i try repeating some of those lines and see if i can get them to sound even remotely natural and that's a skill in and of itself <laughs> that's a good oh that's a good point that's fair make, making gold out of bullshit yeah like what was i watching the You're other turning night? chicken salad out of chicken shit chicken salad chicken shit i love it so the fourth note is chicken salad out of chicken shit yeah like you looked at the script and you were like i guess don't make this work (laughs) our fourth category is chicken salad out of chicken shit i like that a lot actually i like that as a as a as a proposal i think about that on tv a lot actually like there's some really terribly written shows out there where they're but the actors are just like yeah okay it was like, all right, like I'm just gonna do this thing. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman has never turned in a bad performance, but he's had some shit material before, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's just like, all right, like I had to do the thing. Like it's like an episode of Chopped almost, where it's like they made me make dessert out of cough drops, and I don't know how to not chef well. So here you go. I love that it's chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> that's four. That's technically four. Yeah. What if it? Uh, what if it's something I don't know in lines with the actor, where it's like just somebody come or or the artist coming in and they their range is just because I'm, I'm i'm trying to relate this back to that it's vincent d'onofrio at least in my own experience he's like this cold-blooded psychopath in full metal jacket and then he shows up in a movie like this and turns in comedic gold like i also think about like dave batista or somebody like yeah you just do not expect them to have like comedic timing and like chops for that and they just turn it in and it's fucking amazing so that's like the other thing it's like it's like how does this compare to every like your body of work does this like feel like anything else that you've done before is are you trying new tricks or like for some of them it could be like i'm trying the same trick but i figured out how to make it work best here than anything else i kind of like that because like i love denzel washington but like denzel washington plays denzel washington like everything but in training day he plays Denzel Washington so well that you hate everything about him. And that's skill. Yeah. Or even, yeah. like, I, I've i been watching Little Fires Everywhere, so I've been seriously thinking about Reese Witherspoon and the history of her career. And mm-hmm. to pull off things like Legally Blonde and Pleasantville, which are, like, these kind of, like, insane premises, not to say that they're not well-written, but, like, it's really hard to kind of wrap your brain around some of the that language in Pleasantville, especially when they're back in the 1950s, right? And just thinking about um, Legally Blonde is such an insane performance that if that was slightly off, that's an annoying movie. Fair. So maybe that's the ticket. Maybe it's, maybe that's it, that it's this, it's an actor like with, an existing body of work that doesn't necessarily like reflect how they're they're gonna crush that role but they show up and do it anyway and it's completely unexpected so here's what i've got here's what we're judging um launch it launch it here's what we're judging against okay so we have five categories that we're going to be thinking about when we're handing out the vincent d'onofrio award the first is aged like a fine wine has this held up over time? Um, and why do we remember this? Why is this so seared in our brains? The second is the singular sensation. So why we think no one else could have performed this, No, or if in the case of a movie, like all of the pieces fell into place for an a- absolutely perfect uh, creation. 
the third is the transformation exploration. So the fact that this actor is so physically and vocally committed to a role that you can basically forget who they are as a person. You're just focused on who they are as a character. The chicken salad out of chicken shit, um, which is the ability to take a shitty script or an insane premise, because let's be honest, Men in Black is an insane premise, and one of the main lines that Vincent D'Onofrio has to say is just sugar water over and over Get again. Sugar water. Oh and make that believable. And the third is the body of proof. So an unexpected performance or a performance that a career has been either building up to or is so outside of the realm of this person's body of work that it makes it memorable. I fucking love that. I was going to say, I think that's it. I think it's it. I don't think we could do it any better. (laughs) Josh, will you explain that we're battling off against each other every week? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... So I figure what the best way to do this is uh, we're going to choose one person each week, either in a random order or go around, whoever we decide, and that person is going to pick a movie from a particular year that we choose at random. They watch that movie, they tell the other people what the movie is, then they bring it in for your consideration. Yes. Uh, I would like, so it'll be for your consideration, I would like to present this person in the role of this person for the movie this person directed by this person and then we we give our explanation for why it fits the five categories we just uh railed off and then the other two people are going to grade how deserving it is of that award from a scale of one to ten yes which combined makes a total of 100 points and um we are going to give you a percentage grade um and you have to pass to to be awarded the denafrio of the week oh what is our what did we decided on a on a value for whether or not it passes right yeah so it's like i think rotten tomatoes you have to have a 70 percent in order for it to be guaranteed fresh and I think that getting a 70 is a pretty solid. That's like well, that's a C, a, what, C minus? It's like passing yeah. in school, right? Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, it's passing. It's okay. passing enough. C minus is passing. Got it. So. And then the fun thing is that, you know, at some point it's going to be like having like a 71%, you know, D'Onofrio award. Kind of shit. You got to get like, you know, an 80 for it to be like, you know, a legit one. I assume that's I feel like that was bode, an off year. Not going to bode well for your personal stats. Yeah. So, no, Ooh. we're not playing those games. How will we assign the first person to go? Ooh. Oh, my God. I'm sweating. I feel time? like the the it should not be me just because, like, I want one of y'all to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, man. <laughs> okay. I see, I see what's going on. I see. Uh, let's just do nose goes. How, yeah, because yeah, we, we can all we see, each other. see each other. Okay, so, so I'm going to say this. I did it first. So Anthony said he couldn't do it, and I got to my nose first. So I guess Erica's doing wow. it. Wait, we can, we can do... So Erica, you're number one. This is a Josh, you're two. And I'm three. I have preloaded on my phone a, a, okay. a dice for when I play D&D. And I'm just going to shake this okay. up. And whoever it lands on, that's the person that has to go first. Anthony, I, I know that you're an honest man, but I just want you to remember that I really liked your snickerdoodle cookies. And Josh didn't. So I just, I want to throw hey, that out hey, there. Okay. Hey, you know what? You guys have, 
dragged me through fucking barbed wire about this just so that our fellow listeners at home understand anthony gave me wonderful cookies and i stated that they were wonderful cookies but in lieu of that i stated that even a b plus snickerdoodle would not beat a b minus chocolate chip cookie that does not deduce that the cookie was bad it deduces that i prefer chocolate chip cookies to snickerdoodles I want this put to bed right now. You know, Josh, if you argue that seriously when you go first next week, I think you stand a good chance of getting a high score. So, so I'm I not going to disagree with you, but you might be right. I'm not going to screw anybody over in this case, regardless of whose cookies they thought were better, even though clearly Josh was wrong. But I will say that I'm definitely going to be grading him a lot harsher than anybody else because I feel like it. I so. Erica's one, Josh is two, I am three, rolling the dice now. No lie, A2 just rolled out. Josh, that's you. That wasn't even on purpose. I want to state right now on this podcast that starting our relationships, as our audiences know them right now, I do not trust that that was a two that you just rolled, but I accept it. So, and to make this easier for you, here's the other thing that I'm going to do. I'm going to roll a 10 die, a 10 sided die, and that's how we're going to choose your year that you'll choose from. I think that to start. Let's do a span of a decade. I don't want to do 1910 yet. Well, here's the thing. I was going to say, like, let's just keep it within, like, either the 90s or the 2000s. That way it's, like, you know, not something ridiculously, like, you know, outside of our wheelhouse. And then we can slowly expand. Yeah. What do you guys want to start with? I kind of want to start with the 90s. That's just me, though. I'm in. What do you think, Erica? 90s? 90s? All right, so 10-sided die, it'll roll anything between 91 and... No, anything between uh, 1990 and 99. Okay, so if you roll roll a a zero? If I roll a zero, then it's it's 1990. If I roll anything else, it is what it is. All right, rolling now. We have landed on 1993. 1993 is going to be our first year that I am going to find somebody to award the award... For the Vincent D'Onofrio Award. 1993. Audrey Hepburn won the Humanitarian Award. And Al Pacino finally won his Best Actor Award for Scent of a Woman. He had been nominated so many times before that, but this was the first time that he actually won. Other winners from that year. Emma Thompson for Best Actress. Marissa Tomei for Best Supporting Actress. Emma Thompson for Howard's End. Uh, and, uh, I think Marissa told me, yep, it was for my, my cousin, cousin Minnie. Gene Hackman won for these. Unforgiven. Well, here's the good thing. You don't have to know any of these. You could okay. choose Howard the Duck if that came out that year, and you could just run with it. Oh, and nobody's gonna stop you. Come out. What year did Howard the Duck Please don't make us watch Howard the Duck. <laughs> it's my fucking choice. You're right. There's a point in there where there's a duck that's bathing, and, like, you can see her from the waist up, and she has duck titties, and it's weird. It's weird. Yeah, there's a reason it gets calls out, call out into the new Marvel movies. A lot of movies came out that year. Jurassic Park came out that year. Schindler's List. Groundhog's Day. Mrs. Doubtfire oh, came out okay, that year, is, G. Like, okay, you got some things to right choose from. Okay, okay. <laughs> Oof. All right, pressure's on. Okay, we're off to the races for our next episode then. All right, well, thanks, folks, for listening to our inaugural episode of It's Not the Oscars, It's D'Onofrio. Um... I'm one of your hosts, Erica. Oh, I'm Josh. And I'm Anthony. And we'll see you next week.
if you're interested in learning more about the podcast or you want to follow along, you can follow us on our social media handles at NotTheOscars um, on Instagram or on Twitter. Or you can email us at getmesugarwater at gmail.com if you have a movie to recommend that we watch. And we may just feature your nomination on a future episode. Thanks, friends. See you next time.